I can't listen to any more of this. What's the matter with you people? How can you sit here and talk and talk and talk like this? It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Happy Saturday, everyone. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, we are Mance and Mitchell in your ears for the hour. Mighty glad to be there. Glad you're along with us and glad to be working of a Saturday once again with Nathan Miller. Tall guy. How you doing, buddy? Good morning, Gary and Suzanne. Nice and recharged after taking a couple of weeks off from, and then, of course, missing you. But uh, all right, let's see if I remember how to do this. I think it was this button. Oh, well, sorry. I guess not that. Maybe uh, no more sound effects for today. We've had many such moments over 15 years. And I want to make sure that we do take a moment to thank Mary Beckman for sitting in the guest Mary host Beckman. seat last Saturday. And with her guests, I listened to her hours. She did a really nice job for us. So thank you, Mary. Always happy to have you guest host. Reliable Mary Beckman. Yep. She is. She's a terrific host. We're always got, we're happy to interview her, but you know, she does a doggone good job filling in where she, she is doing her thing. But we're back now after a couple weeks absence. Happy to be here. Love, love, love the guests that we have today. And if we're, if we're done with tall guy, why don't you give the mad props to our guest and let's get this going. We're never done with tall guy, but I'll <laughs> go ahead and give mad props to our pal. She is one of those people we regard as a good friend. We simply never met face to face, Yeah, but there is zoom world and there is real world. And I have taken a vow before the gods that Nicole Strickland and Suzanne Mitchell and Gary Mance will gather, break bread, and it might just happen on board the Queen Mary. Who knows? Who knows? Where our people are talking to her people. It's a, it's a big deal. And there may be some uh, international cooperation from the Maritime Association, and God knows what to make that happen. It's been a while. I've been swearing that we're going to get together with this lady, and I'm sure it will happen someday. In the meantime, one of the leading paranormal and afterlife researchers on the West Coast Nicole Strickland has been interested in the supernatural, to say the least, since childhood. In addition to her innate psychic and empathic abilities, Nicole's experience in the fields of counseling, education, psychology, and social work give her a unique perspective on studying the unknown. She is known for her gentle and, frankly, her humble approaches to working with the spirit realms, her clients, and the paranormal field at large. Nicole is the founder and director of the well-respected San Diego Paranormal Research Society. Since 2011, she has hosted the Spirits of the Adobe tours at the iconic Rancho Buena Vista Adobe. Yes! Since 2009, she has worked with Dale Kazmerics. I don't get to pronounce that name very often. Dale's a big shot in Ghost World. Since 2009, Nicole has worked with Dale Kazmerics Ghost Research Society, serving as the Southern California Area Research Director and California State Coordinator. Nicole is also a consultant to various other investigative groups, including the American Spectral Society. Additionally, she is known nationally and internationally, including in international waters, for her research of the iconic RMS Queen Mary, currently and for a long time moored in Long Beach, California. But we have her in cyberspace today, courtesy of Zoom. Nicole Strickland, welcome back, my dear. 
Thank you so much for having me. It's so fun talking with you both. Seriously. And I, you know what? We are going to meet in person one day. And I bet you it will be on the Queen Mary. I bet. I think it will. I can even in my imagination, it's the details that make for a good imagination practice where you you get into that and you try to manifest something. It's the little things, the clinking of glasses as we toast each other on the mighty Queen Mary. See, that makes it real. It sure does, right? Keep that wavelength going. It's going to happen. Yeah. Nicole, I wanted to ask you, because we haven't talked about this in a while, you've been on our show, I think this is like 12 times, and I can go up to 15 if I include Trip Talk, American Road Trip Talk, heard 1 p.m. to 1.30 Pacific time each Friday, courtesy of American Road Magazine. Nicole Strickland has been stellar in her visit. She tells us about these haunted locations. So AM 1150 listeners are quite used to you, Nicole. When I talk about this, though, I like to go back once in a while to someone's roots. When you were a child, and I have to go back in my mind, I think this was either you were a child or a teenager, but at some point, was it not your grandmother who visited you in a way that you could not deny or explain away, and that set you on a whole new path? Yes, absolutely. That actually occurred in my college, my undergraduate college years. And prior to that, since childhood, I always had this very innate fascination with the unknown. Maybe at the age of four and five, I didn't know exactly what that was, of course, but I had experiences when I recollect and I look back, I had very odd experiences, interesting experiences. So so that stayed with me and I would read up on the field and I would even watching uh, some TV shows like sightings, but just pretty much any books or articles I could get on the subject I would have in my hands and I would read. But that interest really propelled me into active investigation of the unknown, actually working in the trenches of the field after I had this very profound experience with my maternal grandmother spirit, which occurred uh, my senior year uh, at the uh, University of Arizona. And so uh, what was interesting about that is my grandmother called me the day before she passed, before she transitioned, and she wanted to just touch base with me and ask if I was okay. And at the time I thought, well, that's just a rather random, odd question, you know, for her to ask me. And I was on the phone with her maybe about 10, 15 minutes. And, uh, the following afternoon, my mom, her daughter called me, uh, and I knew from the tone of my mom's voice that something was wrong. And I said, mom, what's going on? She said, sweetie, I love you so much, but grandma passed away early in the morning. And so my world collapsed and, you know, I was only about five hours away, an hour by flight. I got the next flight out to San Diego to spend with the family came out. My grandmother never really had a funeral per se. That was her wishes. So it was just a very private uh, gathering with the family And then when I went back to my apartment in college, uh, and these experiences that I'm about to share did not happen prior to her passing. So about, oh gosh, my time here is a little off, but about, I would say about a week after me coming back to my apartment, after going back out to San Diego to be with the family, I started having odd experiences in my apartment. So the doorknobs would rattle by themselves and I couldn't explain it. I thought, well, I'm in an apartment, it's vibration, it's my neighbors. 
still, I couldn't figure it out. And then what's interesting is my grandmother, when she was alive, she would go around to the doors at night and make sure that they were locked. So that was a little like nightly pattern of hers. So even with that, I didn't quite yet connect the dots until a couple of nights later, I was on my bed and I felt, I didn't see anything, but I felt a disembodied hand caress my face. And it felt as though it came from someone that I knew and loved very much. That's when I started to connect the dots. And I asked myself, could this be, could this be Helen Lopinto visiting me again? You know, I really wasn't thinking about it too much. And then the, I guess the finale, if you will, came a few nights later. And again, I was in my room doing work for, for my studies and all of that. And I saw out of my peripheral vision, someone standing over near my closet area. And so when I looked, I, my eyes met my grandmother full bodied as if I'm looking at you, were you looking at me? It looked as though she was about 10 years younger. Uh, She didn't say anything, but she had a slight smile on her face. She had, it looked as though there was like a halo behind her, almost like a spotlight shining against her back. She was wearing one of her favorite uh, royal blue and white house dresses that she used to always wear. And she looked very peaceful. And these apparitional spirit sightings, if you will, are very fleeting. They don't last long at all. I mean, split seconds, like milliseconds, if you will. This seemed to play out in slow motion. And so, and it happened again, even after a couple of nights later. So this is when, I mean, it was such a profound experience. Words can't really really share exactly how profound it was. But I called my mom, her daughter, and shared with her, you know, I've been having experiences with with grandma spirit. And uh, we talked with her and let Helen know that she's, you know, okay, the family's okay. She's free to go wherever she needs to go, wherever that may be, and just kind of reassuring her. And then after that, the experience has stopped, but she does come especially around anniversaries. I'll feel her presence every now and then. It's a very peaceful, it's a very subtle uh, presence, but I know it's her when she does come through. And so I do think that she's transitioned on where she needs to go. I don't think she's earthbound. I think she's evolved through the ranks of spirithood, if that, if you will. And it's, it's when I look, when I think about this experience, now that I've had more, more knowledge of the paranormal and have been studying it more, I I have wondered if maybe it was some sort of bereavement hallucination on my part, but, you know, I don't think so just because, I mean, my gut's telling me it was really her visiting me, but you can't discount the possibility, possibility that maybe it was on my part, some sort of bereavement hallucination, but it's hard to know. But needless to say, that experience really catapulted me into active investigation of the unknown. So I credit my grandmother for for this journey that I'm on. So it's it's truly wonderful. I'm I'm reminded of the uh television show Ghost Whisperer where it seems as though there is a a goal to get the earthbound spirits to go into the spirit world by the end of the hour. And um and I'm wondering if in your ghost research you find ghosts that really choose to stay that don't really wish to go into a a spirit dimension, another dimension, but prefer staying in this 3d dimension. And, and I'm wondering, do they have a choice and they, they want to stay here when you say earthbound it bound is a word that reminds me of, uh, not having a choice. What has been your experience in working with ghosts as to the matter of choice? 
excellent, excellent question. I'm going to preface this by saying we're dealing right now talking about intelligent energies as opposed to residual phenomena or phenomena that doesn't really have any emotions or any or any thinking process. It's almost like a psychic imprint in time. For example, uh, a phantom cannon going off at Gettysburg might be a, a great example of a residual phenomenon. So we're dealing with intelligent energies. And uh, I will say that uh, some people in the field believe that us mortals have the power over these energies and that we can absolutely dictate for them and, and decide for them uh, and almost facilitate their moving on into a higher ranking of spirithood. Maybe that is the case in some for some energies, but I feel that, yes, I think that these intelligent energies, whether they're, they're earthbounds or maybe by choice, some do want to remain here by choice. Others are unsure for whatever reason and not, you know, maybe they don't know how, or maybe there's something here that's keeping them. So in that case, I think we can help provide the knowledge and, and the, the compassion and the comfort and say, you know, there is a better place for you. We can help facilitate that for you. But ultimately, it is my belief that it's with these intelligent energies, it is up to them to make the decision to move on and, and transfer, you know, through the ranks of spirithood, going from more like an earthbound state to, to our ghost state, if you will, to a, to a spirit state. So I'm a, I, I vary a little bit because I, I, I don't feel that us mortals, you know, we have the power over these energies, but I feel that uh, we can help, like I said, you know, providing that respect and that compassion and that general foundation to allow them make to, to make the decision whether they want to either stay here for whatever reason or move on. And it's, it's an individual case-by-case -case basis based on my experience. And so well, I have actually participated in, in what's termed as spirit rescue a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Again, this is something that is hard to put in words because you have to actually be there and experience it and experience the emotions that come with it to really understand what's going on. So it's not necessarily something that can be explained. It's more something that should be experienced. And so I feel that, you know, when I've participated in these sessions, it's, you know, when an energy has made that decision to, to move on into the light, if you will, or, or uh, go from a, a different stage of being to a higher level in the spirit realm. It's, it's, it's such an, a moving, emotional, visceral experience. And if you've done it and you've been there, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. It's a beautiful thing. It, it may be, Nicole, that the spirit world is every bit as complex as the world that we live in now, this 3D dimension, with all kinds of choices and it is interesting to me that emotions play a part in it because I can very well imagine that there are a lot of um, spirits that do not want to move on because maybe all their loved ones are here. And so it's a difficult choice to say, I'm going to leave this dimension where my people are and go into another dimension where, you know, there's other people, other, other spirits, but um, emotions, I would think would play a big role in, in those kinds of choices, just the way emotions play a big role in the choices that we make here on this side. 
Absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. And it's when my, when my 18, I'm going to give an example, when my 18 year old cat Kaylee passed away this last December, uh, she was 18 years and, and four months and a uh, beautiful, beautiful transition. One of the most beautiful transitions I've ever experienced in an animal. And uh, right after she passed, I let her know. And I said, Kaylee, you know, you can come back and visit us when it's, when it's good for you. And when it's, you know, when it's on your own terms, I don't want you to feel like we're that our grief and our sadness, because I'm going to be sad. I don't want that to inadvertently call you back or obligate you to stay in this realm when, you know, it's, it's your soul now is, is maturing and it's going through the ranks of spirithood. I want you to get used to that. So please. And I gave her that. I, I let her know that I wanted to reassure her and say, you know, if you want to come and visit, please let that be on your own terms. Just because I feel that in some cases, the living realm in, in the various stages of grief, uh, sadness, dejection, all of that can inadvertently call the love, their loved ones that have passed on back to this realm so there's that almost that tug of war and that struggle not for i mean it's an individual case by case basis but you have to be you know to not worry about that but you have to be concerned about that because okay. especially for for an energy that is not is kind of in that in between state limbo if you will and not really sure okay should i remain in this realm for whatever reason maybe it's more than one or wow, I'm totally ready to transition and evolve to spirit. So for those that are kind of unsure, you can really, in many ways, I think, inadvertently call them back to this realm. And you're not doing that maliciously, of course, but you know, the grief, the emotions with grief are so strong. So you can see where that can happen. I think, Nicole, that there is something about trauma involved. And I don't say that in regard to your kitty, Kaylee, whose, whose picture I saw on Facebook just this morning. And I put a cute little comment there because she's a <laughs> cute little that. cat. <laughs> but when it comes to these place memories, that's what I, I read it years ago, referred to as a place memory, as a, a kind of haunting. So I've just been using that term. But take Gettysburg, for example. I got a little chill when you said Gettysburg with the Phantom Canyon because I was thinking, Canyon, Canon, Phantom <laughs> Cannon going off. Canyons are another matter. That's all good. How'd you like to have a haunted place memory at the Grand Canyon? That would keep There you go. Up. And I'm sure there are many there. Let's talk about that. You know what? Yeah. I thought I saw a burrow. Oh, wait a minute. That really was a burrow. That was, yeah. <laughs> I, have yet to, I have yet to be down in that, uh, that place of grandeur someday. I haven't seen it with my own eyes. I just see it, uh, pictures and whatnot, but that would be a great place to go do some kind of investigation. That would be laborious and a lot of fun to do. Back to Gettysburg. Okay, you've got the cannon firing. Where's the cannon? Who, who did that? How many stories have you heard, have many people heard about someone paying their respects at Gettysburg, taking the tour, and they come upon someone they take to be a Civil War reenactor? They're, oh, I see, Ari, you're fighting for the Union side. How wonderful. Well, I was just parked over here, and I said to my wife, and then you turn around, and the person you were talking to has vanished. There are countless yeah. stories of that with Gettysburg and pretty much, you know, with other places that have seen a high amount of casualties, but Gettysburg is pretty much no exception, high amount of casualties there. People have come up on a field where all of a sudden 
deceased bodies are laying before them and they can smell the phantom. I hate to be morbid here, but smell the phantom smells of death there. Mm -hmm. Just like you said, they could be uh, doing one thing. And then a second later, there's a, a soldier right next to them talking to them or maybe minding his own business. They look away and then they look again in a split second and that's gone. Or they may see, like I mentioned, the cannons going off. That's a big one. Or some people may be out there on the battlefield and all, all of a sudden see or hear a cluster of soldiers charging. I mean, there are, there are so many numerous stories and it really, a lot of these point to residual, of course. Of course, there are intelligent energies there as well. But what we're discussing is more like that place memory. And it goes to show how profound emotions can be the the strength of an emotion to actually imprint a place memory onto an environment that has to have some very profound strength there and so it's it's just all these things involving the paranormal because the paranormal you know it's not an exact science it's gray it's not white it's not black but that to me is what attracts me to the study of it because I'm of the belief and I hold the conviction that, uh, and I'm kind of going on a tangent here, that uh, I don't know if the living world is is permitted to know, you know, all the secrets to what makes anomalous phenomena operate. I think maybe when we get there someday, we might have those keys in our hand, but I'm not so sure that we're meant to, to understand exactly the the why and how of, of why things, you know, happen. But yeah, Gettysburg, I you know it's interesting. I've never, I mean, I've been to so many different places, but I have yet to go to Gettysburg. Can you believe that? Well, oh, my you know, goodness. you're a well-traveled lady with lots of places to see. I have been to Gettysburg. I was Amazing. in Gettysburg. I went there in 1969. There, I hear the places changed. There, the, uh, they have all the, the makings of a wonderfully sophisticated and yet reverent presentation of the Battle of Gettysburg. Fantastic. When I went there, it was electric. They had an electric board where they, they showed Pickett's charge, et cetera, the whole scope of the battle and building in a lot of detail. But they did it with these lights that would blink in succession. So you would follow the progression of the battle. And now, of course, we have computers. So it's much different today. But I understand that they kept that old electric as, as a relic of the place and that you can see it there. I hope that's still true. That would bring back memories. When I think of Gettysburg in particular as being rather emblematic of the kinds of place memories, residual effects that you see. And I quite agree with you, Nicole, that we're talking about some powerful emotions that would actually be capable, if this holds true, of imprinting on the screen of space, to borrow a phrase, something that you could observe. You could have multiple witnesses, perhaps, of something that had such life and death importance to a soldier that we have to keep a couple things in mind. One is that any battlefield death is going to be traumatic. That energy and the emotion behind it is going to be built into the experience itself by its very nature. I mean, you're risking life and limb when you go onto that battlefield in uniform, toting a gun. That's just how it works. But for them to continue on, there, I mean, we're talking about, I forget the exact date of Gettysburg, we're talking about you know 150 or so years later. When you do that, 
it seems to me that you are communicating to anybody who would witness this, that the primary event in your entire abbreviated biography as a soldier, because the far and away, these were young men doing the killing and the dying. When you present that in a way that is residual, you are defining your life in a way that actually is mysteriously recorded. Does that not make sense to you? Something like that so defines your life that if you're going to project yourself into space that people can see in a certain way, it's going to revolve around what took your life under such horrifying conditions. That's just a very astute way to look at it. And it reminds me of, you know, as a paranormal researcher, we need to look at all the different avenues as to what may cause and influence a haunting or an anomalous event. So you have, for example, you have the authentic paranormal event. So that's an incident that happens on its own without any other external influences. And then you have, as the years go on, numerous people going to the battlefield, having their experiences, reporting the same types of experiences. So then you have the bias and the power of suggestion coming in. You have the psychokinetic telekinesis coming in. You have uh, the environment influencing it. So uh, it's interesting that dichotomy, looking at events that uh, the very first paranormal incident, for example, that occurred on that battlefield, maybe it was... uh, someone seeing an apparition of a soldier that same exact experience many 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 years later being being repeated is that is does it hold the same strength does it hold the same i guess scenarios because of all these external influences and so i know i'm kind of maybe not making sense here but that's something that i look at when i when i go to these places and i and i do these case studies i try to look at okay here we have an anomalous event here going on what are all the ways or all the external including the how we humans can can interfere and and interact with these situations what are all the things and all the potential causes and influences of this event and can it change a singular anomalous event so just I, i my mind kind of goes there but it's amazing i mean that's a very astute way to look at it you know people if you're going to record or have a place memory of any in any circumstance in your life, it would be something very profound. And in their case, you I mean they were fighting and they fought and died in such a valiant way. And it would make sense that, you know, that would be the place memory for sure. And for the sake of accuracy, let me just point out that the Battle of Gettysburg was fought July 1, 2, and 3 back in 1863. Three, Imagine yeah. that, the, the historical nature of it, the pivotal nature of it in the Gettysburg Address, that is a speech that will live on forever. And we're talking about a time frame of three days in July of 1863. That amazes me in and of itself. With that kind of import, there might be an imprint to go with it. I'm theorizing. I realize this is paranormal stuff we're talking about. And as a rational empiricist might say, we're making it all up. I don't know whether we are or we aren't, but people have these experiences, including those who, if you talk to them, they are not known as people who like to pull other people's legs. They're talking about something they can't explain. Right. I mean, and this is, this is one of the reasons why history and uh, not just one moment in history, but 
different historical timelines are so important with paranormal research. You cannot study this realm without looking into the past. It's absolutely impossible. So, yes, a final thought before we go to our break, Nicole. That was it. I just wanted to make that. Did Suzanne, did you want to say something? No, that was no. it. So I thought I heard it. you. Sorry. So, <laughs> yeah. what about you, Nathan? Do you have anything you wanted to try before? <laughs> Seen any ghosts lately? <laughs> like, I'm out break. Here. <laughs> we will take our break. Give us a couple of minutes. We'll be right back. We're talking with Nicole Strickland, and we're going to do something a little different when we come back because Nicole Strickland quite ably and naturally was encouraged to do Ghost Research 101 as a formal presentation. She's got the class crazy, the outline, everything. She is prepped. When we come back, I would like to pick an example of a place where Ghost Research 101 might come in handy and then see, just as if I were a producer of a TV show, going to a certain place to discuss its haunted history with someone in the know like a Nicole Strickland. She does her business efficiently and she does it ethically. Just the person I would want if I were in charge of some TV show in the cable universe. In the meantime, we're hosting this show and we're glad that you're listening. We are Manson Mitchell. We will be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days. And I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world-famed, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is manceandmitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We're a couple of baby boomers who bring you a talk radio mix of metaphysics and music, politics, and pop culture. And you never know which celebrity will join us for an interesting conversation. Mance and Mitchell is Boomer HQ, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on 1150 AM KKNW. Your home for alternative talk in Seattle and Western Washington. Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Nicole Strickland. 
Nicole, we have had a great conversation in the first half. We haven't even mentioned the Queen, the Queen Mary yet, but I wanted you to take this opportunity at the bottom of the hour to let people know what your website is, social media, the books you've written, anything else that you would like to share with our listeners so that they can look into more of what you're about. Sounds good. I'll keep this quick. So my personal or my author site is authornicolestrickland.com. Of course, I'm on Facebook. I have uh, different pages, uh, Author Nicole Strickland, my personal, and then my team's website is sandiegoparanormalresearch.com. We're on Facebook as well, our acronym SDPRS. Of course, I'm on Instagram, Author Nicole, uh, Author Nicole Twitter, I was going to say, my goodness, Author Nicole Strickland, uh, Twitter, SDPRS Nicole. Let's see here. Uh, books. I've written uh, a few, three on the Queen Mary, and then one, uh, San Diego's Most Haunted, which is a historical and paranormal look at some of the haunted places in San Diego. Of course, Spirits of Rancho Buena Vista, Adobe, and Suzanne and Gary, you wrote such a beautiful forward to that book. So that's uh, always in my heart. Thank you so much. And then my very first book that I came out with like eons ago, Field Guide to Southern California Hauntings, which is technically out of print because San Diego's Most Haunted replaced it. I do have another one that is slated to be, well, it was supposed to be published back in uh, the winter, but, uh, you know, publishing companies are behind now with COVID, which is understandable. That is the Afterlife Chronicles, exploring the connection between life, death, and beyond. That should be published anytime now. And then, of course, I just wrote a short ebook tribute to my cats, Max and Kaylee, which can be uh, read or down, downloaded, I should say, on my website, uh, authornicolestrickland.com. On the homepage, if you just scroll down, you can see that there. So, Oh, and then my radio show, too, The Afterlife Chronicles, which airs Thursday nights, uh, 6 Pacific, 8 Central, 9 Eastern, which is a lot of fun as well. So keeps me busy, you know, and all keeps of me on my toes. <laughs> and that can all be found at authornicolestrickland.com, yes? Yep, that's it. Okay, Beautiful. good place to go. All right, Suzanne, I, I was, I was, I don't know. I feel like I'm heading into uncharted waters here. I'm a little concerned because of the hard hitting nature of our next question before we get to the, as promised, uh, event that we will pretend to plan. But let me ask you, I got to ask you upfront, Nicole, and here it is. Do you find, or have you found over the years that there is the proverbial glass ceiling for women in the field of paranormal research? Oh, that's a good, that's, wow, that's a good question. I think that, and it, it's interesting because I, I almost know more women than I do men in the field. And that's actually a topic of, I forgot to even mention this, hello, one of the next book projects that I'm working on with, of course, Marie D. Jones and Denise Agnew. And that's a woman on the fringe, groundbreaking women in the paranormal. And so I feel that there, I think people are, are understanding that there's more of a place for women in this field and that a lot of the, the aspects of researching the paranormal, whether you're an afterlife researcher or ghost researcher or, or a cryptozoologist or a ufologist, whatever, that you can do a lot of the same things as men in this field. And so I think that we're, we're changing in, in that regard. And so that's why we're coming out with this book to highlight and showcase a lot of this profound work that women from all over the world and with all these differing backgrounds and experiences can really bring to the table. So that's, that's what I'll say about that. 
and the responsibility and the style, it all comes mm-hmm. together very nicely. Yeah. Kudos. I think yeah. that's wonderful. You're keeping some very good company. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. We're, you know, and we gel really well, Marie, Denise, and I, and kind of the same uh, philosophies and viewpoints. So I think it's going to be a very engaging and inspiring project. So we're looking forward to it. Beautiful. Now let's move to the beyond, beyond the beyond. And what beyond I'm thinking, the beyond. I'm uh, I am Gary Mann's producer of Haunted Places of America. It's a brand new show. Everybody should tune in once I get the money together and find all find all the opportunities and put the show on the air. You could watch it and it would be really fun. Nicole Strickland would be show number one, investigator number one. This is the pilot. We're kicking this baby off and we are ready to make some noise in the world of paranormal research on TV. So in my imagination, I see myself pitching you on this idea, Nicole, there, and I say to you, okay, you're a San Diego gal. Why don't we do this for our first haunted place in America that we're going to investigate hour-long broadcast? We're going to need the bells and whistles. We need the right <laughs> crew of researchers. We need the equipment. And where are we going? We're going to, drum roll, the Thomas Whaley House in of San Diego. Course. Old yes. town. Okay. I knew you were going to say that. I knew <laughs> it. It's because you're psychic. You're an empath. Oh, my goodness. Please tell us, at least in thumbnail form, because you have so much information at your fingertips. <laughs> Why did pardon the pun? But anyway, with that thumbnail, let's go ahead and tell people what they might find, as I did back in 1981, when you tour the Thomas Whaley house, it is still there and well-preserved for a reason. Yes. As are many buildings in old town. It's, you know, the Whaley house. I, now I don't know if I'm correct on this. It's a beautiful historical location. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's dubbed as America's most haunted house, but if you just look at the history of the Whaley family and all of that, and I know we don't have time to get into that, but it's, it's a glorious, uh, well, like you said, well-preserved uh, historical landmark there in, in San Diego. I, based on my experiences going in the home, I feel that the Whaley family that is there in spirit intelligently, if you will, I feel that sometimes that they're not so open to having all these herds of people going in day in and day out. I mean, these tours are great. But they take herds of people in, they go through the home and all of that and do the historical shabil. And it's just, it's, it's like a revolving door of this all the time. And I feel in many ways that some of the family might, especially uh, Anna Whaley, may not a- appreciate it so much. Uh, so that's, that's my experience going in the home. But I've had, you know, I've never actually, and a lot of people are like their mouths drop open, like, wait, you're in San Diego and you've actually never officially <laughs> investigated the, I mean, conducting an official case study of the Whaley House. No, I have not. And that's my main reasons for it is I don't want to upset or disturb their peace, so to speak. But I've investigated many other locations in Old Town. But uh, I mean, history wise, paranormal wise, you can have a lot of experiences in that house. Uh, Apparitional sightings of Thomas Whaley, their dog Dolly, Uh, people have uh, felt the dog uh, coming up against their legs and licking their legs, barking. Uh, Thomas Whaley, um, let's see, he very interestingly, he's, uh, I've heard now I don't know if it's him, but I was in the kitchen area one day, and I heard 
hi, Nicole whispered in my ear and it was just myself and like a couple of other people. And there's no way that it was anyone else. So very, 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 um, psychokinetic sorts of experiences. They're very visual, very auditory. People have been touched, things like that. So, um, it's a pretty active home, but yeah, old town in general is amazing though. I mean, well, old it town would be just... for much of the same reason. I'm sure yeah. <laughs> there, that that would be the case. I understand in the case of the Whaley house there that, uh, wasn't there, it was built over a site where they used to have hangings, like convict them at 1 yes. p.m. and have them hanged by 2 p.m.? Yes. Yeah. Yankee Jim Robinson is probably one of the classic cases of that. And he was so tall that his death, I mean, he he suffered, poor guy. Mm. And so it took him a little bit longer to actually pass because of his height. And he's, I've experienced, um, his claim to fame is uh, a lot of people will hear disembodied heavy boots and heavy footprints upstairs or coming down the stairs. And I've actually heard that several times being in the house and he's actually been spotted as well inside the home and then uh, outside as well. So just, I think there's a combination of both residual and intelligent activity at the Whaley house. If I had to say a percentage and I'm no expert, my goodness, you know, I'm just going based on my experiences and what I know and talking to people, I would say it's probably about 60, 40, or maybe 70, 30. So 70% intelligent, 30% residual. And then you have the, this is when I alluded to earlier, the different historical layers prior to the house being built. It was a Greek revival mansion. So prior to that house being built, you have the native American influences being brought in as well. And some of the historical tapestry and layers from other uh, spots in old town and other buildings. And it seems to just all coalesce and kind of swirl, you know, amongst each other, if that, if that makes sense. So did the, yeah. did the Whaley's die dramatically? Is that, is part of the haunting have to do with the way that they passed? One, it could, well, you know, I, I think in some cases for how people pass, yes. I mean, it, again, it's, you can have 10 people that passed in the same way, but they're the way they come through in spirit form may different may differ if that makes sense now one other violet whaley is the one uh that you hear of uh she actually sadly committed suicide and died inside the inside the parlor uh so her death was was quite violent uh but in the course like yankee jim robinson's but it, again i mean it's 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 a case by case basis so sometimes you can have someone uh maybe die in a less traumatic way but yet comes through more strongly than someone that died in a more traumatic way so it's it's just i think there's all these differing factors that contribute it's not just one or two things and i think there's elusive factors too that we just don't know in the mortal realm we don't have those keys yet to understand exactly the equation to what makes this all tick if that makes sense. That's a very good way of putting it too, Nicole. I would be remiss if I didn't inquire, what was Yankee Jim Robinson's crime that he would be hanged? Oh my gosh, it was, oh my gosh, it was, I want to say it was larceny. Uh, he was, oh gosh, and I wrote about this too, my goodness, this is sad. Well, he no, had I, to, I mentioned it because, I mean, it's boat. well known. There were t states and territories going way back that would hang a horse thief there. So if it's a matter of, what the crime was, I try to put it in perspective simply because to execute somebody in our society today, there needs to be a special circumstance. 
yeah, he was involved in theft of a, of a vessel, of a boat. If I, and I, again, it's in my book. I should know this, I mean, automatically, and I'm forgetting exactly what that was. But uh, yeah, he stole, it had to do with, I believe, oh my goodness, I'm just going to crucify myself here. Uh, he stole, I believe it was, he stole a boat and then they were after him. And then of course he was captured. But again, it's, it's, I, I write about it in my book. The actual, I mean, if I get this wrong, it's, it's, it's detailed in, in San Diego's Most Haunted. San Diego's Most Haunted. I've been to the Whaley House, unfortunately, from one standpoint, I did not uh, hear any uh, rattles, no chains, no uh, ghostly apparitions. That's what I went for. I remember <laughs> think, hey, this would be pretty cool. See a ghost because I've never seen one even to this day. I've had paranormal activity or what I regarded as paranormal, but I've never seen a ghost per se. But there at the Whaley House, it was just a tour on a Saturday afternoon. I enjoyed it from a historical standpoint there, but nothing paranormal going on. But of course, you know, when you go to visit a place that has a certain reputation, you're bringing your expectations with you. That doesn't mean that everybody is guaranteed a ghost or your money back. Right, exactly. I mean, and and like we were talking about earlier, you know, from the early days before a lot of these tours were established and people going in wanting, so they're psychokinetically wanting to experience. There's that power of suggestion going on. There's maybe some pareidolia going on. So now all these external factors may be not caught, maybe not necessarily causing, but influencing the paranormal activity at the Whaley house. So how much of the activity now that occurs in the house is uh, caused by the human agent versus the actual anomalous activity occurring authentically on its own. So you have to really take, yeah, take that in for any historical location with all these scores of people going in day after day, year after year, you know, you may see changes. You may see, you may see increases in activity. Well, let's look at those increases. Shall we, what's causing those increases in activity? I would bet that there's a huge, huge percentage of the human element, you know, contributing to that. So it gets kind of convoluted. I can see where it would. And I'm looking at this, the Whaley House situation, because in my imagination, you're leading a team of what size, I don't know, it would be indeterminate until you made some strategic choices. But I would submit to you, Nicole, that it is a plus in that instance a plus that you have not done an investigation before. If the Whaley family were agreeable, you would be going in with a lot of knowledge about the place and maybe the means whereby of investigating, but it's good that you would be doing it for the first time because to you as well, it's a voyage of discovery. Absolutely. You made a good point with their approval. Like I will not investigate a place if I feel that it's going to disturb the energy or if I feel that some of the the energies there don't want that sort of uh, interaction with with humans. I just, I feel it's not my place. So there comes that reverence and respect. And so that is one of the reasons why I have elected not to conduct a case study at the Whaley House. Although I've been in the house numerous times as a kid, as an adult, I know the history and all of that. Um, history of old town but it's just one of those locations and maybe i'm wrong but i've actually heard this from other people too they feel the same way that some of the family members are just irritated at all these scores of people going in their home day in and day out because maybe to them obviously they're still living in their environment and in their time period 
So it could be a little bit confusing for them. I can see where that would be the case. Yes. And that leads me to ask you a question. And now I pull away from the Whaley house. We'll see how that production goes. All I have to do <laughs> is win the lottery and then we're in business. There you, you go. Know? But thank you for that. In terms of when you go to investigate, have you ever encountered a family, let's say, that is reporting a haunting? They may even have some concerns like the, the preteen kids are getting scared or something mm-hmm. like that. It's unsettling to the household. And yet... Perhaps there are people that want it to be safe, but they really don't want it to be cleared as a space free of all ghostly activity. I can make an argument for as long as the ghosts are friendly, the Casper type, right, where I might not want the space to be cleared. I'm willing to share that space as long as we can get along. Yeah, that's this is an interesting uh, and it, we I was just discussing with my mom yesterday uh, private residences and that's maybe a whole nother episode we can do on that because there's a lot to talk about in terms of conducting a case study at a private residence where you have the family dynamic and all these uh, uh, situations uh, occurring around the family. But we've had in most cases people that and these are people that may not know exactly what the paranormal is we as a team can come in and provide some knowledge and education. Of course, we're not experts. We don't have the 100. I can't factually go in and say, okay, I know this is exactly what a ghost is. This is exactly why this activity is being caused at your house. No, because like I said, the field is gray. It's not black and white, but a lot of people will ask about getting energy cleared because mainly it's it stems from their fear of the unknown and 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 in this case a lot of people believing that what they have in their home is something malevolent or something dangerous or something that's negative so we come in and we try to provide that uh, education and 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 talk with them and then after uh meeting with them whether it's on the phone or or going to the to the the home they have a better understanding of of potentially some of the causes of, of the activity and, and, and what may can be contributing. And so then they're not as fearful of it anymore, if that makes sense. But there are, there have been a few clients where they're not, they're the opposite where they have activity in their home and they're, they're fine to coexist with it. And in, in, in these cases, we found that they just want validation and, and clarification as to, uh, what they're experiencing to see if anyone else has gone in and experienced things. And so that's why they want a team to come in to just more or less validate, but you mostly get the opposite where people are like, Oh my gosh, I have this activity. I want it cleared out of my house. And then that, then we go in and say, well, we can't, I can't guarantee you that this is going to be cleared out of your house. I mean, we have to look into all these factors and decide whether it could be residual, whether it could be, uh, an intelligent energy that's associated with the land and is, is just going to remain there? Is it something that the, someone in the family is causing? You know, there's all these factors that you have to look at. So it makes it intriguing. I, yeah, I hope I'm not too far off topic, but have you tuned in to the show called Ghosts on Thursday? I've, heard, I've actually not watched it, but I've 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 heard of it. It seems like it's it's a comedy comedy and it is two people living with ghosts that have all passed away at various times uh, uh, in that location. Um, Even before there was a a home built and then after there was a home built, 
um, you know, it, it, it interesting that the characters are there from different time frames. And that the, makes that's intriguing. And that I yes. one thing I, I have not tuned in, I've been wanting to watch it. I've I haven't watched a lot of TV lately. But uh I like the premise of that because it 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 veers away from the entertainment industry's focus on, oh my goodness, ghosts are evil, ghosts are malevolent, right? You know, ghosts are just demons. Right. I mean, it, that's not the case at all. I mean, maybe in very rare cases you can have that, but you know, there's such a focus on, and I, I know, I know it sells, you know, terror and horror it sells, but to bring right. in the spirit world and connect it with horror, I think is uh, a, a not only disrespectful, but it's, it's a huge disadvantage, but I like the premise of that show because it's, it's veering away from that yes, and it's it is. bringing in that human element of it, which is more accurate, which is cool. So yes, it is a couple living with ghosts that, that are not trying to drive them away if they happen to go into the spirit world, you know, good for them. But you get the story of each person in the era that they were involved with the house. And and so I I also like this, this interaction of being respectful of the ghosts and finding out each ghost story of their time there. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, very fascinating. It's a fresh, to, fresh view. Yeah. Yes, it is. It is. You might, I'll recommend that you try watching that one. Yeah. Time. I've been wanting to check it out because I see it advertised and I keep saying to myself, I got to check that out. I got to check it's that cute. out. It's cute. It's cute. It's a comedy. Yeah. And it's cute. Awesome. Well, there you go. Promoting the heck out of CBS. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and um, I will say we just, we probably have about a minute and a half here. I remember hearing a very distinguished uh, man that I admired greatly. He was a Presbyterian minister who became a religious scholar, high level scholar of the Bible. And um, somebody was asking about mediumship one day in a class that I took. This is back in my college days. Long story short, using his authoritative voice, it indicated he was speaking like an establishment authority and not so much from his personal viewpoint, but just giving you the establishment response. This uh, this lady, one of the students asked about mediumship and, you know, contacting spirit, spirit communication. And he said, you are tampering with the powers of the unseen there. And he said that to indicate what the establishment response would be. Right. If somebody brings right. that up. So I think of that and I go, you know, it's, it's an association with evil that a lot of people have popularly, though I th I think mistakenly for the most part, right. but you hear it. There are even people that will say to a medium who gets ill, whatever the reason may be, they get ill and people will ask, and did this, do you think maybe this, this happened to you because of, you know, what you do? Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's tricky waters in that case. I mean, going on, I, do I believe that an actual energy has the power to necessarily uh, make us ill and oppress us? Maybe in rare cases, I think in, in, in a lot of ways, it's the living person's belief that that's what's happening that almost causes it. So it's almost like a psychosomatic uh, disorder or, or process, if you will, but it's, you know, it, it can become tready waters. I mean, this is why I say with psychic mediumship, I don't classify myself as a medium at all, though I am intuitive. I'm empathic. I've had some unique you experiences. got to say goodbye, my friend. Okay. Here, we're wrapping it up. We're wrapping Thank up. You, I'll, I'll, we'll, 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 get to, we'll get to that next time. We'll talk about that next time. You got it. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Have a great weekend.